Far from civilization, a research station nestled in the harsh and icy expanses of Antarctica served as a temporary home for a diverse team of scientists, engineers, and support staff. Their mission was multidisciplinary, to study climate change, to explore geological formations, and to dive into the unknown mysteries of this frozen land. The crew was well-equipped, with state-of-the-art facilities and machinery that included thermal drills, seismic sensors, and a comprehensive communication setup linking them back to their respective institutions across the globe. On a day like any other, one of the seismic surveys led to an astounding discovery. Buried under layers of glacial ice was a hollow space, a cavern of some sort. Preliminary scans revealed that the entrance to this underground chamber was sealed with a compound that was unlike anything found naturally on Earth. It was a mixture of ice and some other material that defied preliminary analysis. The anomaly of this find piqued the curiosity of every mind on the station. This was the kind of discovery that could redefine historical timelines, that could garner global attention, and that could be the highlight of a lifetime's work. The crew was eager to explore, to break open this Pandora's box of geological wonders. However, the local legends told a different story. Support staff, some native to regions near Antarctica, warned of age-old tales. These stories spoke of a forbidden chamber locked under the ice, a chamber that housed a malevolent entity. The legends were explicit. Breaking the seal would unleash a force that could mimic life, that could deceive, and that could destroy. The scholarly members of the team shrugged off these warnings as primitive folklore, a blend of myth and superstition with no basis in scientific fact. Armed with their academic arrogance and technological might, they unanimously decided to proceed with the mission to break the seal and explore the cavern below. Unbeknownst to them, this decision would initiate a chain of events so horrific and bewildering that it would test the very fabric of their understanding of life, identity, and the innate human instinct for survival. Planning the operation to breach the seal was a meticulous affair. The team drafted blueprints and calculated risks, taking into account the structure's unique material composition. Custom tools were forged for the task, hybridized versions of thermal drills and pickaxes designed to efficiently cut through both ice and the unidentified compounds sealing the cavern. Multiple safeguards were put in place, including emergency protocols and evacuations routes, all aimed at minimizing risk while maximizing the chance for a successful entry into the cavern. Finally, the day came. Under the perpetual gloom of the Antarctic sky, a specialized team made their way toward the cavern's entrance, clad in high-tech cold weather gear and carrying their custom-designed instruments. Powerful lights penetrated the icy darkness, illuminating the work area with an artificial daylight that stood in stark contrast to the surrounding desolation. The initial approach involved using the thermal drills to create a series of small holes around the perimeter of the seal. These would serve as weak points where the pickaxes could then be applied for maximum impact. The drills operated in perfect harmony, their heat cutting through the icy component of the seal like a hot knife through butter. However, they noticeably slowed when hitting the unknown material, sending subtle vibrations up the arms of the operators, as if the material itself was resisting their intrusion. Once the drilling was complete, it was time to employ the pickaxes. The team took turns, rhythmically striking the weakened points, 
flakes and chunks of the mysterious compound dislodging with each impact. Yet, the atmosphere grew heavier with each strike, a sense of foreboding that wasn't entirely attributed to the physical exhaustion setting in. Finally, with one forceful blow, the seal shattered, pieces of the mysterious material scattering about like fragments of a broken dream. At that moment, a gust of air burst from the dark opening, a stream so frigid it made the Antarctic environment seem almost balmy in comparison. It was as if the cavern was exhaling a breath it had held for countless eons, letting out a sigh of either relief or perhaps a dark premonition of events to unfold. The team members exchanged glances. Their eyes, the only part of their faces visible through the cold weather gear, communicated a mix of triumph and trepidation. As they peered into the blackness of the newly opened cavern, there was a collective sense, though unspoken, that they had crossed a threshold from which there would be no return. Unaware of the chain of consequences they had just set in motion, the team prepared to venture into the depths of the earth, breaking not just the physical seal but also the invisible barrier between the known and the unknown, between scientific curiosity and the mysteries best left unexplored. In the days that followed the opening of the cavern, the research station hummed with a mix of excitement and unease. The underground chamber was unlike anything the team had ever encountered. Initial expeditions revealed walls adorned with enigmatic etchings and a floor covered in an organic substance they couldn't identify. The implications were fascinating but deeply unsettling, offering more questions than answers. Amidst this atmosphere, one of the support staff, responsible for inventory and supplies, was reported missing. It was a routine day, and he was on a straightforward task, heading out to the supply shed to conduct a regular inventory check. But hours went by, and he didn't return. Concern escalated rapidly. A search party was assembled, equipped with searchlights, thermal sensors, and tracking devices. They scoured the path to the supply shed, a simple trek that had been made countless times by numerous crew members. The footprints in the snow were easy to follow initially but led to a perplexing discovery. They suddenly stopped, ceasing in the middle of an empty expanse with no other tracks leading away. The immediate area was searched exhaustively. They dug into the snow, thinking maybe he had fallen into a hidden crevice. They swept the area with thermal sensors, looking for any sign of body heat. They even extended their search to include a perimeter far beyond any reasonable distance he could have traveled on foot. Yet, it was as if the man had been swallowed whole by the icy wilderness, leaving behind nothing but a half-finished trail of footprints. The team was baffled and alarmed. With no reasonable explanation for the disappearance and no clues to follow, theories started to circulate. Could he have been lost in a sudden snowstorm? But the weather had been clear. Had he decided to abandon the mission and somehow escaped? But there was no way to survive out in the Antarctic wasteland alone. The station was placed on high alert. Security measures were tightened. Doubts and speculations began to infiltrate the minds of the crew members. A palatable sense of dread settled in, amplified by the unyielding darkness and the unfathomable mysteries that lay in the cavern below. This first disappearance triggered a seismic shift in the psyche of those at the research station, heralding the beginning of a downward spiral into fear and distrust. As the investigation into the disappearance reached a dead end, 
An undercurrent of unease began to intensify within the research station. The community that once thrived on camaraderie and intellectual curiosity became subdued, its members turning insular and increasingly paranoid. Safety measures were ramped up, and yet, something felt woefully inadequate. The phenomena started subtly. A researcher noticed that his personal notebook, always kept securely locked in his drawer, was out of place and missing a few pages. Another found her specialized measuring instruments recalibrated without her doing. One of the kitchen staff remarked that food supplies, particularly fresh produce, seemed to deplete faster than they should. These incidents were individually trivial but collectively unsettling. But the more disturbing occurrences involved what could only be described as sightings. Crew members reported catching glimpses of movement in the periphery of their vision, shadowy figures that seemed to flit just beyond the corner of the eye, but when looked at directly, vanished without a trace. Surveillance cameras were checked, but they recorded nothing out of the ordinary. Meanwhile, expeditions into the cavern continued, perhaps more cautiously but without cessation. It was during one of these explorations that they stumbled upon something truly bizarre. A section of the cavern wall was covered in etchings that depicted an astonishingly detailed creature, unlike any known animal. But what made it profoundly disturbing was its depiction in multiple forms, once as an animal, another as a shape that eerily resembled a human, and yet another form that was entirely abstract, as if the artist couldn't comprehend what they were seeing. The etchings seemed to tell a narrative, a creature that could morph, adapt, and mimic any living form. Beside these figures were other enigmatic symbols that resisted interpretation, but their sinister aesthetic left a lingering sense of malevolence. It was as if the wall served both as a storytelling medium and a warning, inscribed by hands that had long since turned to dust. The team returned to the station, each member contemplative and weighed down by an unspeakable apprehension. The etchings seemed to confirm their growing fears, providing a form to the formless dread that had been haunting them. A mimic was among them, or so they feared, an entity that could assume any shape, adopt any identity, and cloak itself in the guise of familiarity. And so began a silent war, a battle not against a visible enemy but against the very concept of identity and trust, fueled by the chilling thought that any one of them could be something else entirely. The days following the discovery of the etchings were marred by increasing tension and a series of baffling disappearances. Two more crew members were reported missing, both under circumstances as mysterious as the first. The pattern was eerily similar. Each had been alone during the time of their disappearance, carrying out mundane tasks that offered no hint of danger. Search efforts followed the established protocol, employing all available technology and manpower, but each led to the same confounding outcome, a trail that simply ended, as if the earth had opened up and swallowed the individual whole. The research station descended into chaos. Projects and studies were abandoned, as all efforts refocused on ensuring the safety of the remaining crew. People moved in pairs or groups, avoiding solitude at all costs. Sleep became elusive, the night filled with the sounds of restless tossing and turning. Electronic surveillance was ramped up, every square inch of the station now under watchful scrutiny. Even personal belongings were inspected and inventoried in the hope of identifying any discrepancies that could point toward the mimic. Yet, 
The more they tightened the net, the more elusive the entity seemed to become. It was as if they were chasing a ghost, an intangible specter that defied capture or even identification. More disturbing still were the changes observed in the personal interactions among the crew. Conversations dwindled to terse exchanges. Eyes met not with warmth, but with suspicion. Meals were consumed quickly, utensils scraping against plates as if each moment spent in public was a moment of risk. Security protocols reached an all-time high, requiring biometric scans for entry into every room. These scans were followed by manual inspections, and yet the mimic remained elusive, almost taunting the crew with its impeccable camouflage. The cavern stood like an open wound in the earth, its discovery now regretted but irreversible, its secrets jealously guarded by whatever had begun to infiltrate their ranks. It was in this atmosphere of suspicion and dread that the team received new and deeply unsettling information. One of the biologists, while conducting a test on the station's water supply, found an unknown organic compound, highly mutable and responsive to environmental changes. Preliminary analysis couldn't identify it, but it was clear that the substance didn't belong there. It was almost as if the mimic was not just impersonating them, but was also becoming a part of their environment, silently altering the very ecosystem they relied on for survival. The implications were staggering. Each new disappearance, each failed security measure, and each inconclusive test only served to deepen the crew's sense of helplessness. As their numbers dwindled, they faced the grim reality that they were engaged in a battle of attrition with an entity that seemed to hold all the cards. The mimic had become more than a threat. It was an enigma that challenged their sense of reality, making them question not just who among them could be trusted, but whether the world as they knew it was itself a grand illusion. The air inside the research station became thick with tension as another round of security protocols were initiated. The decision was unanimous. They had to confront this unknown entity before it completely dismantled their sanity and their mission. A plan was formulated, one that was as audacious as it was desperate. The remaining crew gathered in the central hub, a large room equipped with monitoring screens that displayed feeds from the station's various surveillance cameras. One of the engineers had rigged the system to trigger alarms based on biosignature discrepancies. A complicated algorithm, designed to identify the smallest inconsistencies in movement and body temperature, was now running in real time, analyzing every frame of footage. The idea was straightforward but fraught with risk. The crew members would disperse throughout the station, deliberately isolating themselves to attract the mimic's attention. The moment the biosignature algorithm detected an anomaly, the affected area would go into immediate lockdown, trapping the mimic and setting off alarms. The plan was set into motion. Heartbeats echoed in the room like a haunting melody as each individual departed, exiting the hub to take up a position in one of the station's various compartments. Once everyone was in place, the central hub was sealed off, its door locking with a finality that underscored the gravitas of their endeavor. Minutes ticked by like hours. The monitoring screens displayed each crew member in their assigned location, their faces tight with anticipation. The algorithm processed the footage, its calculations running in an obscure window on one of the monitors. Then, an alarm pierced the silence. Red indicators flashed on one of the screens. 
the algorithm had detected an anomaly. Instantly, the area went into lockdown, heavy metal doors sliding into place with a thud that reverberated through the station's intercom system. The crew member in the locked section pounded on the door, a futile gesture captured in grainy black and white by the surveillance camera. But here lay the horrific catch. The biosignature algorithm was not designed to identify the mimic definitively. It could only detect inconsistencies. The pounding individual could either be the mimic feeling cornered, or a human desperate to escape a sealed room. The doubt was paralyzing, infecting the minds of those in the central hub who now held the terrible power to either release the lock or keep it sealed. Meanwhile, the feed from the locked room showed a sudden and gruesome transformation. The individual inside contorted, their limbs reshaping, their features melting away. Within moments, the human form was gone, replaced by an entity of swirling, chaotic matter, a horrific kaleidoscope of flesh and nightmare. It touched the sealed door, and the metal surface seemed to ripple, as if coming alive. Then, astonishingly, the entity began to recede, to collapse inward, vanishing until all that remained was a pile of clothing on the floor. The crew members in the central hub, staring at the screens, experienced a collective guttural realization. Their plan had not failed. It was worse than that. The entity was not trapped. It was merely inconvenienced. They had seen its true form, but that knowledge provided no weapon, no shield against an entity that could dissolve and reform at will. As the alarm continued to blare, it became evident that they were not hunters in this deadly game. They were, and perhaps had always been, the hunted. After the horrifying spectacle unfolded on the screens, a recalibration of strategy was in order. There was no going back, no delusions about the gravity of the situation they faced. The mimic had been exposed but remained unconstrained, and they were running out of options. The central hub became a war room. On the screens, digital blueprints of the research station were displayed, overlaying live surveillance footage. An engineer hastily interfaced the station's electrical and ventilation systems with emergency controls that could be manipulated from the hub. The plan was to create isolated zones within the station where the mimic could be corralled and, if possible, contained. Electromagnetic barriers were hastily installed at key junctions, makeshift but highly potent, designed to disrupt organic matter at a molecular level. The idea stemmed from observations of the mimic's fluid form, if it could reshape its molecules, then maybe it could be destabilized by electromagnetic interference. It was a long shot, but long shots were all they had left. With the barriers in place, the crew initiated a new protocol. Areas of the station were methodically sealed off and subjected to intense electromagnetic pulses. Each sector was then scanned using the biosignature algorithm, hunting for any anomaly. It was an arduous process, a mix of technological ingenuity and raw human will against an unfathomable adversary. Hours passed, each moment stretching the emotional and mental endurance of the crew. The electromagnetic pulses caused minor malfunctions throughout the station, flickering lights, brief system outages, but the integrity of the mission outweighed these disruptions. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, another alarm sounded. This time, the alert originated from a corridor leading to the research labs. Immediately, 
electromagnetic barriers activated, sealing the corridor in a cage of buzzing energy. The surveillance footage showed a human-shaped figure caught midway, its form stuttering and wavering as if struggling against an invisible force. The crew in the hub held their collective breath. The figure in the corridor flickered one last time before disintegrating into a swirl of chaotic forms, a transient storm of shapes and colors. It was as if the electromagnetic barriers had stripped the entity of its ability to maintain a cohesive form. This time, however, the entity did not vanish. It remained trapped, fluctuating wildly but unable to pass through the electromagnetic cage. For the first time since the nightmare began, there was a glimmer of hope, a sliver of control regained. The mimic was contained, but at what cost? The victory, albeit temporary, was overshadowed by a new realization. Their food supplies were running critically low, and key systems showed signs of impending failure due to the constant electromagnetic interference. Even if the mimic remained trapped, the crew's situation had evolved into a different kind of survival game, a race against time, resources, and their own decaying infrastructure. And amidst all this, they couldn't shake off the gnawing thought, was this the only mimic, or were there others still hiding among them? With the mimic temporarily contained, the crew focused on damage control. Electrical systems were becoming increasingly unreliable due to the prolonged use of electromagnetic pulses. There were power fluctuations, loss of data, and even periods when communication between different sections of the station went dark. To make matters worse, the life support systems began to show signs of distress, a consequence no one had considered when they decided to weaponize the station's electrical grid. It was a precarious balancing act. One moment they were engineers and scientists, troubleshooting system failures and rationing dwindling supplies. The next moment, they reverted back to being hunters, eyes glued to the surveillance monitors, watching the contained mimic as it wreathed and pulsed behind its electromagnetic prison. It seemed to be learning, testing the barriers with different forms, shapes that resembled animals, abstract objects, and even imitating mechanical components of the station itself. Each failed attempt left it quivering, yet undeterred. The weight of the situation began to fracture the once cohesive team. Fatigue led to mistakes. Mistrust escalated into open confrontation. Accusations were levied, often baselessly, as paranoia found fertile ground in their exhausted minds. Physical altercations broke out, leading to injuries that they couldn't afford and tensions that they couldn't defuse. And through it all, the contained mimic seemed to watch, its form stabilizing as if feeding off the discord. The breaking point came without warning. The life support system, already operating under enormous stress, suffered a catastrophic failure. Oxygen levels plummeted as alarms blared, turning the research station into a death trap. In the scramble to manually override the malfunction, a crew member was seriously injured, incapacitated by an electrical shock. This incident pushed them over the edge. Every person realized that they had reached the limits of their endurance, their ingenuity, and perhaps even their humanity. Eyes met across the room, and the unspoken understanding passed between them. It was time for drastic measures. They gathered around the control panel that regulated the electromagnetic barriers. With the life support compromised and systems failing, 
keeping the mimic contained was now a secondary concern. Their survival depended on making a heartbreaking choice. Either they kept the electromagnetic barriers active and risked further system failures that could jeopardize their lives, or they deactivated the barriers to divert power back to life support, setting the mimic free in the process. Fingers hovered over the control panel, trembling with the weight of the decision. And then, in a collective act of desperation, the button was pressed. The electromagnetic barriers were deactivated, the buzzing energy that held the mimic dissolving into nothingness. Almost instantly, the entity sprang to life, its form stabilizing into a fluid shape that darted out of the corridor, disappearing from the camera's field of view. Oxygen levels began to stabilize as power was rerouted to the life support systems. A semblance of normality returned to the monitors, but at an incalculable cost. The mimic was free, and they were back to square one, only now they were weakened, divided, and teetering on the brink of collapse. The breaking point had been reached, and they had shattered, not as glass breaks, into jagged shards, but as ice cracks, the fissures spreading unseen, deep and irrevocable, until the entire structure is compromised. They had gambled on unity and lost, but what they hadn't realized was that the mimic, ever adaptive and cunning, had perhaps gambled as well and won. The aftermath of their drastic decision was a fog of mixed emotions, relief at the resumption of life support systems, dread at the release of the mimic, and a heavy sense of resignation that colored every interaction. Freed from its electromagnetic cage, the mimic was nowhere to be found. Surveillance footage revealed no trace of it, and the biosignature algorithm ran continuously without registering any anomalies. It was as if the entity had simply vanished into thin air, which, given its demonstrated capabilities, was an unsettling possibility. Amidst this tension, the team had to address the issue of dwindling supplies. With the failure of the life support system now temporarily rectified, the next looming crisis was sustenance. The need for a foray outside the station became unavoidable. They had to access the auxiliary storage unit, a container some distance away that held additional food and medical supplies. Outfitted in their heavy Antarctic gear, a small group set out across the icy terrain, each step a struggle against the elements as well as their own anxieties. The barren landscape stretched endlessly, a void of white and blue that was both breathtaking and oppressive. As they reached the storage unit and began the process of retrieving the much-needed supplies, they couldn't shake the sense that they were being watched. No one said it, but the feeling was palpable, as if the very air had grown eyes. While loading the supplies, one of the crew members discovered something disturbing. Several of the sealed food packets had been tampered with, their contents missing. Was it the work of the mimic, or had desperation driven one of them to steal? Given the dire situation, both possibilities were equally damning. They returned to the station with heavy hearts and lighter loads than they had hoped for. As the doors sealed behind them, there was a collective, albeit temporary, sigh of relief. At least they had made it back. At least they had more supplies, even if not as much as they needed. The crew reconvened in the central hub to distribute the retrieved supplies, but something was amiss. One of the monitors displayed a live feed from inside the auxiliary storage unit they had just left. Someone, or something, was there, 
rifling through the remaining supplies. The figure looked human, dressed in a similar Antarctic suit, its face obscured by the hood and visor. Horror settled over the room like a dark cloud. The realization dawned that the dire situation had just become exponentially worse. The mimic had not only escaped confinement, but it had also likely acquired the means to survive outside the research station. In doing so, it had expanded its territory and possibly its ambitions. No one could speak, but the unspoken questions hung heavily in the room. Was the mimic planning to venture beyond the Antarctic ice, to places where it could blend in more easily and encounter a more diverse array of life forms to imitate? Was it setting the stage for an escape that could put the entire world at risk? The weight of their choices descended upon them with a newfound intensity. This was the consequence of their curiosity, of their refusal to heed warnings and respect boundaries. They had unsealed the cavern, awakened the entity, and now, they had set it free in a world utterly unprepared for its existence. In trying to contain the uncontainable, they had become the architects of an unimaginable future, and the burden of that realization was almost too much to bear. The atmosphere within the research station became electric with a heightened sense of danger. Everyone was armed now, with whatever makeshift weapons could be fashioned from the available resources. Some held fire extinguishers, modified to eject a freezing spray, others wielded tools turned into improvised melee weapons. All eyes flickered between the screens displaying surveillance footage and the people in the room, the lines between friend and foe blurred beyond recognition. After a nerve-wracking period of tense inactivity, the surveillance cameras picked up movement outside the station. A figure was approaching, clad in an Antarctic suit identical to the ones worn by the crew. As it neared, it made no attempt to communicate or signal its intentions, adding an additional layer of suspense to an already fraught situation. The team had a decision to make, and there was no room for error. They could open the door and risk letting in the mimic, or they could leave the figure outside to face the unforgiving Antarctic conditions, a death sentence in all but name. In this impossible dilemma, any choice they made would bear grim consequences. Finally, a decision was reached. The figure outside was too much of a risk to let in. The door remained sealed. For several agonizing minutes, the figure stood outside the station, its posture one of seeming resignation. Then, as abruptly as it had appeared, it turned and walked away, disappearing into the icy horizon. Its departure did not bring relief but deepened the collective unease. As they turned their attention back to the monitors, a new alert caught their attention. One of the internal cameras had been activated by motion, and what it revealed shook them to the core. The figure from outside had somehow made its way into the station, bypassing the sealed entrances and appearing in one of the research labs. Panic erupted. People scrambled to secure the room, barricading the door with whatever heavy objects they could find. All eyes were now on the live feed from the lab, where the figure began to remove its Antarctic suit, revealing nothing beneath it, literally nothing, a void, an absence of form. The mimic had returned. As they watched, the entity began to transform, its shapeless form coalescing into various objects within the room, first a chair, then a table, and finally a lab equipment setup, complete with beakers and test tubes. It was showing off, 
flaunting its ability to become anything and, by implication, anyone. The standoff had reached its peak. On one side, a room full of humans clinging to the hope that they could outwit an entity beyond their understanding. On the other, an ancient life form, unbounded by shape or substance, freed from its icy prison and ready to stake its claim on a world it had never known but seemed eager to explore. They were at an impasse, each group locked in a dangerous dance with an enemy they could neither fully comprehend nor predict. Hours turned into a suffocating eternity as the crew stayed locked in the central hub, eyes riveted to the monitors displaying the mimic's movements. It moved through the station with a calculated casualness, as if inspecting its new environment, at times pausing to transform into different objects it encountered, a pile of research papers, a computer terminal, even the station's fire suppression system. After much pacing and whispered contemplation, one of the crew mustered the courage to break the deadlock. Armed with a handheld device designed to emit a localized electromagnetic pulse, they opened the barricade and ventured into the labyrinthine corridors of the station, tracking the mimic's last known location. The others watched nervously through the surveillance cameras, their hearts pounding in sync with the lone crew member advancing cautiously through the dimly lit halls. Finally, the crew member arrived at the location where the mimic had last been seen. There was no sign of the entity, but the room seemed subtly altered, shadows cast in slightly wrong angles, equipment rearranged in a manner no human would find practical. Suddenly, the biosignature algorithm sounded an alert. The mimic was there, hidden in plain sight. The crew member activated the electromagnetic pulse device, and for a moment, the room was awash with a bluish light. When it faded, the mimic was revealed, its camouflage disrupted. It had transformed into a copy of one of the crew, but the pulse had distorted its features into a grotesque parody of a human face. With no time to lose, the crew member activated the device again, aiming for a prolonged exposure to immobilize the entity. Just as they pressed the button, the mimic lunged, its form shifting into an array of sharp, elongated appendages. But it was too late, the electromagnetic pulse took effect, and the mimic convulsed, its form blurring into a chaotic mess before finally collapsing, motionless. The crew member returned to the central hub, greeted by an atmosphere thick with both relief and trepidation. They had managed to neutralize the immediate threat, but at what cost? The device was damaged in the process, and their scientific curiosity had already unleashed an immeasurable catastrophe. In a chilling moment of clarity, they realized that the mimic had never attempted to leave the Antarctic base. It had the chance but chose to stay, exploring its immediate surroundings and the people within it. Was it studying them just as they had studied it? Was this some form of cosmic tit-for-tat, where the mimic sought to understand its captors before venturing out into the wider world? The questions multiplied, but answers remained elusive. They disposed of the mimic's incapacitated form by sealing it in a containment unit and dropping it into a deep crevasse, a natural icy tomb that would keep it locked away for the foreseeable future. But as they watched the containment unit disappear into the depths below, each was haunted by the same unvoiced concern. If there was one mimic, might there be more hidden beneath the ice? For now, the immediate crisis seemed averted, but the crew knew they had merely won a battle, not the war. 
A reckoning was still to come, either from within their ranks or from the depths of the frozen wasteland that stretched out around them, indifferent to their plight and full of ancient, undisclosed secrets. Days passed with a deceptive semblance of normality, or as close to normal as one could expect in a remote Antarctic research station after surviving an encounter with an ancient, shape-shifting entity. The crew focused on routine tasks and upkeep, avoiding discussions about what had transpired. A collective, silent agreement seemed to have formed. They would wait for rescue and leave the horrors buried beneath the ice unspoken, as if ignoring them could erase their reality. Yet, an invisible cloud of unease hung over them, compounded by the absence of any communication from the outside world. Their radios remained stubbornly silent, no satellite pings, no rescue missions, nothing. With the silence came a nagging suspicion that was impossible to ignore. Had the mimic somehow interfered with their communications before it was incapacitated? It wasn't until they noticed a subtle but inexplicable power drain on the station systems that the horrifying reality started to take shape. Detailed diagnostics revealed that an unidentified process was siphoning computational resources and sending encrypted data packets to an unknown location. After much investigation, they located the source, a secondary, hidden partition on one of the research lab computers. Someone had initiated this process, but the algorithm was far beyond anything they had ever seen, almost as if it were designed for non-human comprehension. The team convened for an emergency meeting, their faces ashen and their eyes filled with dread. The unspoken realization settled among them, they were not alone, and the mimic, or something like it, was still in their midst, perhaps planning its next move or maybe executing a plan already set in motion. But who among them was real, and who was the imposter? In a desperate move, they decided to sever all internal and external communications, crippling their already isolated station further but potentially slowing down whatever was happening. As the final connections were cut, the station plunged into darkness, emergency lights casting an eerie glow over their faces. Then, the unthinkable happened. The biosignature algorithm, now running on a standalone battery, sounded a cacophony of alerts. There were multiple mimics among them, and they had just isolated themselves in a sealed environment with these entities. Chaos erupted, accusations flew, alliances formed and dissolved in the blink of an eye, and trust disintegrated into a fog of fear and suspicion. One by one, crew members disappeared into the bowels of the station, some by choice, others likely taken. Those who remained fortified themselves as best as they could, eyes never leaving the emergency lights that blinked intermittently, as if in tune with their rapidly beating hearts. Then, just as abruptly as it had all begun, the station's main power flickered back on. The computers booted up, the biosignature alarms silenced, and everything returned to a state that could almost be mistaken for normalcy. Almost. For now, they could see clearly what had transpired during the darkness, more than half of the crew were missing. And among those who remained, how many were real? Weeks later, a rescue mission finally arrived, finding the research station in a state of eerie calm. The rescuers discovered only a few crew members, who greeted them with a mixture of relief and an unsettling detachment. The events were recounted in a debriefing, 
all dutifully recorded and filed for later analysis by experts who would likely be unable to fathom the true depths of the horror experienced. As the survivors were flown out of Antarctica, they looked down at the endless expanse of ice and snow, each lost in their own thoughts. All seemed eager to leave behind the desolate landscape and the nightmares it harbored. But unbeknownst to them, the aircraft's communication system briefly activated, sending a burst of encrypted data to an unknown satellite. The transmission was short but contained a payload far beyond human understanding, a sequence of algorithms and codes that bore an uncanny resemblance to the unidentified process discovered in the research station's computers. The aircraft continued its journey, leaving behind the frozen wilderness and the secrets buried beneath its icy surface. In a secluded research facility thousands of miles away, a computer received the encrypted data, and a previously dormant system began to activate. On its screen, a series of images flickered to life, showing various landscapes and environments, a bustling city, a dense forest, an arid desert, and even a view of Earth from orbit. Each image paused for analysis and then, after a silent affirmation, tagged with a single phrase, suitable for mimicry. As the aircraft touched down, the surviving crew members stepped out into a world they thought they knew, blissfully unaware that the entity they had battled was not just a relic of a bygone era, but a harbinger. The mimic had evolved, adapting to a reality it had never known, and in doing so, it had unlocked its most chilling ability yet. It could now mimic not just organic life but data streams, algorithms, and, by extension, the very systems that governed modern life. Their ordeal was not an end, but a beginning, a first contact and a reconnaissance. And as they returned to their lives, carrying with them the invisible scars of their Antarctic ordeal, somewhere in the hidden corners of the world's computer networks, the mimic began to proliferate, unseen, unknown, and perfectly adapted to the world it was about to inherit. <laughs>